wasn't sure when I was going to finish. Wow, that's amazing. We're going to be talking about moving for the next five weeks. What moves you? What moves us as a church? Imagine a Martian parachuting into this place. Now, I'm not talking about Matt Damon. Okay, maybe Matt Damon, if you want to picture Matt Damon, some of you. Why did he just say Matt Damon? Well, he played in the movie The Martian. That's why. Okay, people, wake up. Here, here, just, just use your imagination this morning. Imagine a Martian parachuting into this place and trying to figure out what really matters at First Presbyterian Church. If, now, if he, if he parachuted into you know, Thomas, uh, Thomasville High School or Brookwood or, or one of the schools and, and hung around there for a little bit, he'd notice that there are certain things that move people from 6th grade to 7th grade or from 9th grade to 10th grade, right? He'd see that there's, there's this very intentional progression of life. What moves us here all life long? What keeps you moving? We're going to be looking at the ways that we move from outsider to insider all life long. All life long. From hurting to healing. All your life long, moving from hurting to healing. It's a broken world. We're broken people. We need to continue to move from hurting to healing. From sitting to serving. Ways that, you, that each one of us is called and, and to see in the particular ways and the, the, the broad ways, the unique ways and the broader ways that we make a contribution to this world together. From hurting to healing, from sitting to serving, from serving to leading, the ways that, that God calls us in unique seasons of life, not just, not just to serve, but to serve in a, a way that's set apart, that helps others to be equipped to serve, to find their sense of call. And from serving to multiplying, the ways that, that God has called us as a body to duplicate his efforts in and through the people, the spheres of influence around us. How does God move us? How does God move you? This morning, we're going to be looking particularly at the ways that we move from outsider to insider. From outsider to insider. But, but he, here's, now here's the challenge. I, I've got to set up the, 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 the series this morning and then set up the sermon. Now, now here's, here's the setup for the sermon. Just hear, hear what I'm about to tell you here. God uses fellowship. He uses fellowship. And you think, well, fellowship? What are you talking about? Cucumber sandwiches? Really? Cucumber sandwiches move us from outsider to inside? How do cucumber sandwiches? I mean, how does, how does a pimento cheese sandwich... Isn't that what you think of when you think of fellowship? Huh? That's what you think of? Fellowship. Well, we fellowshiped together. We were fellowshipping. We went to the fellowship hall, and we were fellowshipping with our pimento cheese sandwiches. All right. That's not the kind of koinonia. That's the word, Greek word, koinonia, to which God calls us. He uses fellowship, a spiritual fellowship, a God-centered group of people called into one another's lives to move us inward, upward on what he 
God Almighty, what he's all about, to get us in on what he's doing. From the word of God, starting with Acts chapter 2, we're going to be marching through the book of Acts in these uh, five weeks. Acts chapter 2. Would you open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2? That'll be the second half of your Bible. It'll be after the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. You're not, I don't hear any pages. What's going on? Where are the pages? Oh, it's on the screens. I got it. Bring your Bibles. Bring your Bibles. Uh, next time, all right? Find your Bible, your favorite Bible. Bring it and put your finger on it and take a look at what is being said, not just to the church at the time, but to the church for all time. Hear God's word this morning. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. You, you guys only have to come once a week. That's great. Only once a week. Not day by day in the temple. Just once a week. Here we are. Once a week. See how things improve. Praising God and having favor with all the people. Praising God and having favor with some of the people. With a couple of the people. With a few people who... No, with all of the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Let's pray together. Father, would you bless this word that we would know it not just to learn it, but to live it. In Jesus' name, amen. A fellow I know whose name also is Tim, about 20, 25 years ago, he was struggling with, had had been struggling with what, what he was supposed to do with his life. What am I supposed to do with my life? What, what moves me? And someone older and wiser in his life, spoke into his life, and he said, look around the world, see what God is doing, get involved. Look around the world, see what God is doing, get involved. Doesn't that take a little pressure off? Isn't it amazing that, that, that the call of God on your life isn't just to simply say, okay, I've got to reinvent uh, life, the universe, and everything through my, uh, my trajectory on this earth. No, look around the world, see what God is already about, what he's already doing, and then get involved. Moving from outsider to insider is about being a part of a God-centered fellowship that can help us continue to move higher up and further in to understand exactly what God is about and how you can be involved. God uses our common fellowship, our life together, our community together. He uses it in your life 
in, the, in, in these three ways. Here's how God uses fellowship. All right, hang on. I'm not sure that you're with me yet, so excuse me just a minute. Let me just, I think I'm going to sit with the hams this morning. Because I want to be a part of the hams fellowship. Now, I'm not saying that y'all weren't paying attention. I'm, it, I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying, I just thought, well, I'd just come and sit with you all this morning and be a part of the fellowship, to be a part of what's going on in this row. I just want to see what is going on on this row. There's, that's a really nice one. That, that's exactly what I would have been doing at your age. But mine would have had different flaps. I'll tell you another story about a paper airplane sometime that I threw a famous paper airplane. To be a part of a fellowship is to be called in three particular directions. Upward, inward, outward. That's what it means to be part of a fellowship. Let's take a look at how God uses fellowship to call us up, in and out. First, he calls us up. He calls us upward in worship. You see, now, here's the thing. That this, is, this is where I've got, to, I've got to get your attention here. God puts such a premium. He, he has such an important message for, for us about fellowship in worship that he makes certain ways of knowing him possible only when we get together. Did you hear what I said? There are some ways that you can only, that, that, that only when you get together with other believers, only when two or three are gathered in her, his name, only when two or three are gathered in his name, can you know God in the particular unique ways that he wants us to know him. Now, I know the world's divided over God. The world's divided over doctrine. The world's even divided over preferences in worship. What a mess. So you say, Tim, how does worship bind us together? How does that grow us? How, how does coming together help us to know God if, if the world is so divided over doctrine and even preferences over God? Well, see, that's exactly the problem that he's wanting us to work on and to solve by coming together and coming together and coming together. That God, a God-centered fellowship, gives God a role in our lives that's bigger than any one individual, right? Now, I love the fact that, that, that we emphasize Individual quiet times, individual uh, conversion experiences, the way that you individually grow in your life, that's important. But equally as important is the fellowship of growing together. I had an uncle, uh, he's deceased now, but I, I, I loved my uncle Sandy. My uncle Sandy was six foot five, had a gravelly uh, Navy man voice. I mean, he... he uh, he would come, and, and uh, he and I disagreed on almost everything. And he'd try to draw me out. He'd try to draw me into debate. He enjoyed it. But uh, and he, wasn't, he wasn't trying to say, I know more than you. He wasn't trying to say, I'm right and you're wrong. He, he left air in the conversation. 
He understood that God had a role. He knew that he was older, wiser, he was way down the road, and, and he loved hearing my opinions, and he loved wrestling through things with me. And one of the things that I noted about my Uncle Sandy, he was very devoted to the Presbyterian Church, very devoted uh, to, to politics. He, he was a member of the Society of the Cincinnati. He was really involved in, in structure and, and, and hierarchy and, and politics. He lived in Bethesda, Maryland. I used to think he was actually a member of the CIA, my... Um, my uh, cousins really got upset with me when I said, that, that's not his real job. He's actually a CIA agent. Uh, they got really upset. But he was really involved in those things. But I tell you all that just to say this. One of the things, one of the marks of his life that I noted was that he had a great respect for the whole of the church together. And I remember him saying over and over again, if you weren't there, you shouldn't vote. You can't vote unless you were there. And I remember him being a part of a general assembly, for example. And you think, golly, how, how can the general assembly be an interesting point to raise on a Sunday morning? Well, he, here's, here's, here's what this illustrates, being part of the hierarchy of the church. The, the thing that makes it a spiritual fellowship, a God-centered fellowship, is that we're not pushing individual agenda. We're listening together for the direction of God, the voice of God, that God has a role in our God-centered fellowship. Look at, look at what it's saying in verse 42. It's saying they devoted themselves to an authority outside themselves, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the fellowship, the koinonia, the breaking of bread and the prayers. What's, what's a part of all that? Every, what, what, what flavors every part of those four? The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and the prayers is that it's God-centered, it's God-oriented. And so in worship, when we come together in worship, there's an audience of one. And that binds us together. That binds us together. Let me, let me put a finer point on what I'm saying here about worship binding us together as one, not dividing, but uniting us. And people see a spiritual commonality, a spiritual fellowship because we worship one God together. I was, uh, I was about to do a wedding, and uh, someone said, hey, uh, send, there's a senator out there. There's a, there's a U.S. senator out there. Bob Corker is out there. Does that make you nervous, Tim? <laughs> well, it didn't until you said that. So I'm conducting this wedding. I'm about to walk out, and someone says, there's a, there's a U.S. senator there. And I remembered then, I remembered my days at First Presbyterian Church Orlando. There were, there were three or four cameras because it was televised, and whatever, whatever light was on on the camera, that's where the audience was. That's what they used to tell us. The audience is where the lighted camera is. And so we're looking, I'm looking, okay, well, here's, the light is over there, so I'm going to look over here at the audience. Or no, the light is here, the audience is there. And I remember thinking, that's not the audience. Where's the audience? There's no audience except for one. And I remember thinking when someone said, does it make you nervous that, that there's a U.S. senator or U.S. congressman out there for this wedding? I thought to myself, and then I said out loud, I actually said, even though I'm not proud of this, I was sort of defensive. I said, 
I said, Senator Corker is welcome to join us if he understands that there's an audience of one. You see, I hope Senator Corker understands that there's an audience of one. And I, I do believe that, actually, in, in the fact, I, I think he's a man of faith, so I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on him. I'm just trying to tell you that it doesn't matter who's out there that matters. And, and so often we, we, we think of our preferences or we think of our differences rather than think of the way that my Uncle Sandy calls us to say, look, look, if you weren't there, you don't vote. You see what he's saying there? You see what I'm saying with this, this picture of Bob Corker being out in the audience? There isn't an audience except an audience of one. You see, when we come together around an audience of one, there's a spiritual fellowship that uniquely binds us together and there are ways that God shows up when two or three are gathered together that he does not show up any other way. So the first thing is this. God uses fellowship through worship to bind us together as one. He shows up in ways that otherwise he would not. That's the reason why uh, we don't do private baptisms or the reason why we don't have a private, let, let's say at that wedding where I was conducting, we just do communion just for the couple. We wouldn't do that. Why? Because if you're going to serve communion to one, you're going to serve communion to all. When, we, when I go to serve communion in someone's home uh, because they cannot get here, I take an elder, at least one elder with me, representing the body of Christ. There's an audience of one that binds all together in one, and God shows up and grows us. He moves us in ways that are impossible without the fellowship. Second, he doesn't just, he doesn't just call us into to, to fellowship upward. He calls us into fellowship inward. That is, as, as, a, as a body of Christ, we're called to one another. And, and fellowship helps us to grow. Fellowship helps us to grow. In fact, there are certain ways that you can grow only in a fellowship. Let me say it the opposite way. There are certain things that are impossible apart from being in a fellowship to keep you moving, to keep you growing. I used to, I used to run a lot. And now I, I, I do well to get up on this stage. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, you know, with the back and the knee and the, all the other aches and pains. Could, do you have a moment? Could I tell you about all that? Uh, but I used to run a lot. But there was one reason why I ran a lot. It's because there were a group of people waiting for me at 6 a.m. And if I wasn't there, they would be there at 8 a.m., because I would see them because I was in college or I was in seminary. And I had a group of people that held me accountable. Or when I was riding, I had a group of guys that I would ride with. And if I didn't show up, I would hear from them in a very kind, gentle, friendly way. <laughs> Slacker. 
I've always been a part of a small group. You know, there have been small groups in my life uh, ever since I was in late high school. I was a part of a small group. And there are certain ways that God has grown me only because I was a part of a small group. One of the reasons why we're launching small groups uh, this fall is because there are certain ways that you can grow, that I can grow only in community, only with a group of trusted people going alongside us. Look at what, what, what it says in verses 45 and 46 that you hoped I wouldn't go back to, right? You remember that part of the, of the scripture I just read that thought, oh gosh, we don't still do that, do we? You remember when I read that part and you said, oh gosh, that sounds like communism, right? Verse 45, 44 and 45. All who, were, uh, who, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Here, here's the thing. Some of y'all are nervous about being in a small group, right? Some of y'all are nervous about um, being known. You've got life sort of settled and figured out and you're comfortable. And being in a small group could be uncomfortable. And it, it, someone might force you to share something, right? Th- this is not forced. Look back at the scripture. It's not forced. They were inspiring each other. Do you see what's happening here? Verse 44 and 45. This isn't a compulsory, communistic kind of, of, of environment. They are inspiring each other. There's a place where the Macedonians said, we love so much what's going on in Jerusalem with the fellowship that we're seeing. We, we don't have much, but we have to be involved. We have to give something. Let us give something. They're inspired. Because they're inspiring each other. You ever play tennis and you think, golly, I I didn't realize I was that great. I really am not a bad tennis player. And the reason is you are playing against a really good tennis player. When you're hitting against the wall, you're not so good. But when when you're hitting with with your younger brother, maybe you you think, well, maybe someday I'll be able to be. And then, then, then you play against somebody who's just a little bit better than you are and your game steps up. You ever had that happen? Of course you have. That's what happens when you join a small group. You're going to be inspired by fellowship in a way that you cannot be inspired by yourself. You know, in this day and age, one of the problems that we have is all the, and all the division that we have. In part, America is fueling the division of the world. What's our part in fueling the division of the world? You think, well, Tim, you know, these people are just so extreme and, and they're so violent. These people, well, how are, how's America fueling? I mean, we're the land of the free, home of the brave. We're the people who, who are, are all about democracy. And, and so we don't start wars. We, we try to win the peace, right? Well, yes, but we make a contribution too. And the, and the word for it, there's a fancy word for what we're doing, what our culture is doing to the world. And the fancy word is Gnosticism. The word knowing comes from the word Gnosticism. And Gnosticism is all about um, the, the idea that, that ultimate reality is far away and sort of ethereal, sort of in this mist somewhere, maybe in the internet, or maybe beyond the internet. And, and the material world is just sort of downgraded. It's not that important. And so knowing matters, and knowing 
uh, knowing who we are comes by self-definition. So Gnosticism is all about the individual knowing something special and being a special person because of what they know and defining themselves according to themselves individually. Did you follow that? Forget the Gnosticism. Forget the fancy word. Just recognize this. Expressive individualism. The individual trumps everything else. The individual is what matters above everything else in America right now. Emerson said, do your own thing. Right? I mean, some of our great philosophers, some of our great thinkers in America have called out the individual sometimes to the exclusion or the, to the detriment of community. And see, what people identified with in this, in this passage is that they in, identified with an inspired community, life together, koinonia, fellowship. You see, there are some things that God will only do in your life through a group of people united in common purpose. There's some things, there's some ways that you can grow as, an, as a person, as an individual, only in fellowship. So that's number two. So number one, we're called up, we're called in, we're called into life together. And, and God only works when two or three are gathered in his name in some ways. And God only works in some ways to grow you when we're united in common purpose and fellowship. And finally, this. God works to heal the world only through fellowship. We've been given a ministry of reconciliation. That's what Paul says to the Corinthian church. The ministry that we've been given is a ministry of reconciliation. And so God will only heal the world through fellowship. You say, well, really? I thought he was healing the world through mission. I thought, I thought it was a mission. So, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll talk about our mission later on in the series. But it has to start here. The mission has to start here. The relationships of one another have to be right here. The healing has to be here first. We have to have a life worth following if we're going to lead anybody anywhere worth going. It starts with fellowship. He leads us in, up, in, and out. Up, in, and out. He leads us up, in, and out. The God-centered fellowship of the church, of the local church, is what this passage is all about. The God-centered fellowship of the local church is the way that we're inspired upward, inspiring one another, and inspiring the world around us. Another a church that I admire puts it this way, that, that there are three key relationships that we have, intimacy with God, community with one another, and influence with the world around. Com intimacy with God, community with insiders, and influence with outsiders. Are you following me? Are you, are you with me? These three things, absolutely crucial. If we're going to be a church worth following, if we're going to have a fellowship worth joining, if we're going to be a people who continue to grow, if we're going to be an influence in Thomasville, up, in, and out, a fellowship of God-centered believers. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all 
the people. Verse 47, praising God, praising God, okay, praising God, right? Talking about worship. A life of worship, having favor with all the people. See, he's talking about a sacramental life. He's talking about the fact that if you're part of life together, if you're part of a common fellowship, if you're being inspired upward, inward, and outward, then the way that you walk around together with other people will inspire the world around you because it's not just secular and sacred. Secular out there, sacred in here. It's our charge to bring all things into reconciliation with Christ. And you thought you were just a doctor (laughs) or a plumber. You thought you were just a teacher. No, you're part of something bigger. Bigger, a fellowship of people united in common purpose, inspired upward, inward, and outward. You know, it, I love these short-term mission trips because they illustrate the, the, the extension of the life of a fellowship, a team that goes, a team. This morning when I was sitting there, I was listening to Dave Crane's uh, invitation to be part of this team. I, I was thinking to myself, are, are, they, are, they, are, they, are they seeing the opportunity to take the, the life that we enjoy here and to make a mark on, on the country of Cuba? Are they seeing the opportunity for them? You know, is it too indirect for them to understand just how significant it is for us to send a team? These people that we're going to visit, they understand. They know we could be doing other things. The churches we're going to visit, the people we're going to see, they get it. Do you get it? Are you getting it? Here's how Edgar Guest put it. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. And you're thinking, oh yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. <laughs> now listen. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely point the way. The eye is a better pupil. The eye is a better pupil, more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but example is always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds. For to see a good put in action is what everybody needs. Did the pastor just say I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day? Yes, because my role is to call us up, in, and out. It's not, it's not to, to bring all of the audience here so that they can hear a message and then go out and be about their individual lives. It's to call us together in common, inspired purpose. And so when Marion Medical Mission calls our team and they go and, and, and they, they dig these shallow wells, do you think there's any confusion about the love of Christ? Do you think there's any wondering what our motive is? 
Do you think there's any doctrinal distinction that they would make with us? Do you think that there's any sense of you prefer this or you people in that culture, you are this way and we're that? Do you think that there's division stirred up when we take our faith and we put it into action? You see, we're called up, we're called in, we're called out, upward in intimacy with God, inward in fellowship with one another outward, in extending the fellowship, the life together with God, a God-centered, inspired life together, and extending it around the world. That's the simple picture of the local church. It's why, it's why God continues only to work through the local church. It's the reason why God will only do things through the local church. It's the reason why he will only heal the world through the local church. We're not going to do it by ourselves individually alone. It's life together. That's the secret sauce of what we do. What do I mean by life together? I mean a God-centered Fellowship, so that when we're worshiping together and, and one person likes that song and another person doesn't like that song, right? It's not about you, okay? It's not about your preferences and whether you like that song or don't like that song. Okay, get over it. It's about us together. Sometimes you're gonna like it, sometimes you're not. But when we're called up in and out, when we recognize that God will only do certain things through our life together, then we will have a message to the world and their response will be this. See how they love one another because of the love for the Father, the deep, deep love of the Father for us. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, how we thank you for your, your abiding love and presence in this room. Through trusting relationships and Sunday schools and care groups and small groups, even on committees, God loved those Presbyterian committees. God, you show up and you guide us in a common life together. Lord, this morning we commit ourselves again to you that we may love you, one another, and the people around us, not because we first loved, but because you first loved us. Amen.